You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. I guess I should have announced last week that we were doing things in two parts. I got several messages this week asking me, checking in on me, making sure my workload was okay, and I certainly appreciate um, the questions and concerns, but uh, it's more about week after week, if you think back to the sermons that we've preached since we've been back, we've talked about giving, uh, we've talked about church structure and uh, governance a little bit last week. Uh, The idea and the theme that's permeating through this is once you start to focus on biblical principles, things begin to go smoother and often even take care of themselves. Uh, Just like we talked about with giving, we talked about last week with work. Uh, Once we start to focus on what the Bible tells us and we start to act accordingly, you will see things start to change. It will be uh, smoother. I I can't stand here and say it will always be easier, uh, but it, it seems to typically be less of a hassle and less, less stressful. Uh, so this morning, uh, we had some, Mark was prepared, Mark is still prepared and waiting uh, for us to give him a call, and we'll see if this works, but stand with me this morning. We'll be in First Timothy chapter 3. Be there in verse 8. Once again, the Bible says, Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon will well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us, the chance you've given us to assemble in your house, Lord. I pray that you anoint me to preach the message you've given, anoint ears to hear. Hearts to understand, draw us each closer to one another as you draw us closer to yourself. In Jesus' name shall we pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to go through this verse by verse, but first we'll, we'll check in with Mark a little bit. I don't know if when you left here last week you were worried about what direction we were going. Uh, But the overall theme of everything that I'm involved in is we must be biblical. Uh, Our opinions, our beliefs, and our traditions uh, don't amount to much if they're not rooted and founded in what the Word of God says. So let's, let's see if we can get a hold of Mark. In my mind, this will look like Mark's standing here. Good morning, Mark. 
Good morning. Hold on, let me get you up here. <laughs> there he is. It's a nice view. Yeah. We gotta switch you around here. Yeah. yeah, I think we can just do it that way. Can you guys hear Mark? Mark, tell us what you found out. So, in doing some studying, as uh, Kenny mentioned uh, last week, I believe, about deacons in the church and the role of women serving and in, in being a deacon in the church, I was looking up scripture. Uh, specifically, this is in Romans 16, in the first verse. Uh, let me, I flipped a page here. Paul says here, Now I commend to you, or unto you, Phoebe, our sister, being also a servant of the church in Cancria. Now, I'm looking at an a interlinear here, but I'd like to add some uh, other Greek texts, and also some computer software for Bible study as well. And uh, I think we touched on this last week, uh, but the word that we find for in the King James, which uh, Paul writes there, it's translated as servant. But when you look in the Greek, uh, that word that is translated into servant in the King James English is diakonon. Now that it can be translated several ways, but when you look at these scriptures here in, in the Greek diakonon is a, is a word that refers to several different things. One being service, another being a, a servant, of a person or serving for needs that are uh, in a church or in a group, but also it can be translated into deacon or deaconess, as you know, some of the modern translations uh, do translate it. So, as I've been looking and, and reading and studying, and I actually spoke with Brother uh, James on uh, Messenger because I wanted to get his opinion on it as well and he uh, agreed on a lot of the aspects that I had come to or, or the thoughts that I had arrived at from my studies so personally I feel that when it comes to women's roles in the church specifically speaking of like a deacon or a deaconess that the scriptures don't forbid it like uh, many times it has been, you know, taught for, you know, as long as I've been alive and, and even longer. Let, let me ask you this, Mark. Yeah. When you're dealing with the uh, original Greek and you're off in 1 Timothy, we just read through 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, yes. 
and it talks about the deacons being the husband of one wife. Do you have that handy as to what the Greek literally means there? That is uh, something I've looked at as well. When I spoke to uh, uh, Brother James, he uh, sent me a, a link to some articles that he has written, I guess, in uh, a publication on those scriptures in Timothy, as well as Romans here. But when you look at First Timothy being the uh, deacons listing qualifications for deacons, and it says the husband of one wife, uh, you also have to look at the scripture in the context that it was originally written. As Paul, the author of uh, Timothy, it is believed, as he is writing that, he is writing that coming from a, a culture that is, you know, predominantly uh, patriarchal, I believe you would call it. So a patriarchal society such as that didn't have a very lightning view of women, especially in the church. And so when you see those uh, qualifications listed there, I believe that's the, the major reason or component that Paul or the writer list the deacon as being the husband of one wife and not including, you know, the wife of one husband, you know, vice versa. Well, that, doesn't the, the Greek, though, where it says, uh, and likewise their wives, the Greek literally says, likewise the women. Right. It does say that. I, I haven't, I don't have the scripture looked up here with me. But I have looked at that before, and it does, you know, uh, say it both ways, I believe. It says, I don't have it in front of me, like I said, but it, likewise, the women, it says the place in the church, let them be willing to teach the younger. Right. The, the younger women. What, does anybody else have any questions for Mark? Well, we thank you, Mark. How are you and Linda doing? We're doing okay. Uh, like I said, I don't know if you mentioned it at the church this morning, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say it here, uh, you know, while I'm on the phone with you all. There's been a resident at Mom's Work confirmed to have COVID, and this resident, I, I believe it's a woman, but who, I'm not sure who it is. Uh, the room that they are in is right across the hall from the station where mom works. Uh, so mom is, you know, a bit worried about that. Hopefully nothing will get past to her or anyone that comes in close contact. The, the one good thing that I'm glad the facility is doing is trying to keep the residents, whoever is infected or diagnosed, keeping them in their room and not having them come out and go all over the facility. But mom's doing okay. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't feel sick like some of the, you know, symptoms that have been listed. 
I've been feeling kind of uh, uh, rough the last couple of days myself, but I think it's an allergy thing more than anything. Uh, but just remember us in prayer. Hopefully the, the facility will take bigger measures to make sure that the, the virus that this resident's been diagnosed with don't get no farther you know, than it already has. Well, we'll definitely be praying, and we uh, we hope nothing more comes of it for certain. Uh, but right, keep it. I, I know. I hate not being there this morning. Keep us posted, and I'll talk to you here shortly. I appreciate it. All righty. You're welcome. Y'all. Oh, I hit in too soon. She was saying goodbye. Well, let's get into... Timothy chapter 3. Uh, I want you to think back to last week and what we began to discuss and the role of deacons uh, within the church and the idea that the more biblical we become, the better off we will be. I fully believe that with all my heart. I believe it not only works in the church, but it works in your life as well. As we read last week in the book of Acts. Well, first, I want to I take you to a place here. We've long held uh, the belief um, in small, independent Baptist churches like ourselves, uh, the idea that uh, women's place in the church was to make sandwiches and to put flannelgram pictures up on the flannel board. And that's the way things were. It was the way that things were the entire time I was growing up. And I start to wonder if that's truly the case and if that's what the Bible talks about. Uh, we know the New Testament talks about there not being, uh, us all being one in Christ Jesus, of us all being equal but it, it, didn't, it didn't resonate with the practices that we actually all held. Then, when we think about the office of pastor, and I think that we're all in agree, agreement on that for the most part, uh, we start to think about deacon, the office of a deacon. As I mentioned last week, I'm unsure uh, if most folks in small independent Baptist churches today could explain exactly what the role of a deacon is. It's one of those things that has been almost lost to our tradition. So I want to read to you this morning what our description is uh, within our bylaws. Let me get there. I've got... Under our duties of offices, it is in 
Article 6, Section 4, it says, Deacons, the accepted practice among General Baptists has been to regard the ordination of a deacon by the Presbytery as perpetual. A properly ordained deacon elected to serve in this church shall do so for as long as he remains orthodox in doctrine, orderly in conduct, and faithful in the discharge of his duties. If he offends in any of the above, the church may, by majority vote, with secret ballot, vacate his office and notify the presbytery of the actions taken and why. They serve the Lord's Supper by virtue of their office, but they are not to preside over it. They are to act as an assistant uh, to the pastor in visiting the sick, the penitent, and the wayward, and in keeping up the social services and spiritual interests of the church. Now that very, very general description, half of it is dedicated to how exactly uh, you would run them down the road if they get out of line, and the rest of it is a very general uh, description that really could apply to anybody within the church. And that's where we have left uh, the office of deacon, which, which Paul takes a moment. The Holy Spirit takes uh, room on the page to discuss at length for all time. And we completely disregard it and forget about the office, forget about the work. So I want you to contemplate that uh, this morning. We find uh, in Timothy, or we start with the question of exactly who uh, Phoebe was. If you open your Bibles, if you want to, Romans chapter 16. And the verse that Mark was focusing on, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a sucker of many and of myself also. Mark talked about how uh, the translated word for servant here really points to deacon. My argument is that you find more of a case for deacon in verse 2 than you do in worrying about the translations of the Greek um, phrases here. That ye receive her in the Lord. We're dealing here now with simple English. As becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. This term business uh, denotes work with a purpose. I don't think Phoebe was making sandwiches and cutting out flannel grand people and putting them on the flannel board. This second verse points to a work uh, and a responsibility that was far greater than what you and I might have ever thought. Now, uh, the scripture's silent on exactly what her role was. But we can tell by this second verse and the fact that she has business uh, in Rome to do with the church uh, means she is highly regarded and respected and that she holds some type of office uh, within the early church. Again, Priscilla and Aquila are announced as helpers and Mary someone who's bestowed much labor 
When we wrestle uh, with weighty questions like these, we look into our own bylaws, our own traditions and practices, and we've got a lot of titles in our bylaws that are not found in the Scripture. Scripture, like I said last week, only mentions two. Office or uh, elder, overseer, bishop, pastor. It's all the same office. And it mentions deacon, but we have other things. Sunday school superintendent, assistant Sunday school superintendent, uh, treasurers and things of that nature, assistant treasurers, clerks, assistant clerks. Uh, all these things are found within our bylaws. So when you think back to the business meetings where we elected these folks, I want you to pose a question to yourself. And if you knew it or you didn't know it at the time, why did you vote for these folks that fill these offices today? Now, every vote, mind you, keep in mind, every vote that we've had recently for the, the posts that are filled today have been unanimous. Everyone, every member in the room agreed that these are the people for this. What was your qualifications to elect them to those offices? Whether you knew it or not, I believe you used what we find in the third chapter of 1 Timothy. That when you look, when you look through this, starting in verse 8, Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to, too, to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. These are questions that we all asked ourselves of the people around us before we chose them and elected them to put them in those offices. They fit these qualifications. They were dignified. They were not double-tongued. Uh, they were not addicted to too much wine. They were not greedy for dishonest gain. They held the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They were saved, and we know them, and we know that they're saved. The report of them in the community is good, and we know by their fruits that they know a Savior. And we have that in common with them. But they're tested. We've observed them and assessed them throughout the years. And these are the real questions, whether you knew it or not, that led you to vote for the people that you voted for. Since I've been here with you, we've never engaged in any sort of campaigning or political struggles uh, when it comes to election time. It's just not what we do. It's much different uh, than that. And we've either subconsciously, knowingly, or unknowingly applied the biblical standard uh, to some other offices that we've gathered along the way. That's why we, we needed to address uh, whether or not uh, deacons can be women. Uh, like I said, traditionally, we've held that that's not possible. Our language and our bylaws uses the term he, uh, the masculine form, of the language. In the early church, you find a lot of evidence uh, for women being found uh, as part as the number of deacons. If you look into uh, the history, um, in AD 111, 
Pliny, the governor of Bithyria, reported questioning under torture two women who called themselves deaconesses concerning uh, Christian rites and rituals. He arrested them as Christians. They said they were deaconess, deaconesses. He tortured them, and this happens right at the end of the apostolic period. So this is right at the time, right at the end time, when a lot of the New Testament is being written, that it's common practice among the early church uh, that women uh, were deacon. In and around the 3rd and 4th centuries, uh, the historians, um, there's a quote from the 3rd, century from the Constitution of the Holy Apostles. Uh, it was a guidebook that was written for uh, starting churches way back then. Uh, that quote says, let the deacons be in all things unspotted as the bishop himself is to be, only more active in number according to the largeness of the church, that they may minister to the infirm as workmen that are not ashamed, and let the deaconesses be diligent in taking care of the women, uh, but both of them ready to carry messages, to travel about, to minister, and to serve. Let everyone therefore know his proper place and discharge it diligently with one consent, with one mind, and knowing the reward of their ministration. And again it says, ordain also deaconesses who is faithful and holy for the ministrations towards women, for sometimes he cannot send a deacon who is a man to the woman on account of unbelievers. Thou shalt therefore send a woman, a deaconess, an account of the imaginations of the bad, on account of the imaginations of the bad. For we stand in need of a woman, a deaconess, for many necessities and first in the baptism of women. Charles Spurgeon uh, recorded the fact that women were deacons as fact and spoke about it as if it were a thing that everyone knew and believed. Modern-day theologians like John Piper, Mark Dever, Tim Keller, and even John MacArthur um, all acknowledge that the Scripture points to women serving as deacons. Uh, or even, even in our in-house theologian, uh, Mark Van Hoos agrees, as well as the Reverend Dr. James Leonard, uh, whose basic response to Mark was, and to me, gentlemen, I went through this years ago, have fun reading my notes, and he sent us copies of, of all the research he had done before. Yeah, we, we had, all of them had already arrived there. Uh, we move into... Well, so now, if we're in agreement on that and we're open to the idea, we understand that the biblical qualifications here listed in 1 Timothy chapter 3, this is one of the few times that you will ever hear me say to understand really what's happening here and what we need to know. We must look back at the original Greek language. Uh, very rare that I say that, but this is one of the times. Uh, chapter, in verse 11, even so must their wives... If you have a King James Bible with you, uh, you'll, you'll note that the two words must there uh, in verse 11 are in italics. What that means is that they are not found in the Greek, that they were inserted in there by the translators. Uh, so the Greek takes the even so as it really it says likewise, 
must there is not there. The term wives, the Greek word that's also used there really just means women. Um, I think a more accurate translation would be likewise, the women be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. And you start to see that verse 9 uh, and 10, or verse 8 and 9 deal with men deacons. I'm sorry, verse 8 deals with men deacons, 9 and 10 uh, deals with them together. Verse 11 deals with women. Verse 12 is back uh, to men. However, what verse um, 12 starts to talk about is the idea of the deacons being the husband of one wife. If you notice here and you turn your Bibles over to Titus and start to look at the qualifications uh, for a bishop or for elders, it talks about bishops and elders being, if you even beginning in chapter 3, uh, the husband of one wife. But Paul never addresses the qualifications of the wife of the elder. And I want you to think about that. If the Bible mentions, if, if we read this in simple English and hold it traditionally, uh, and when I say traditionally, I'm really talking about our recent tradition, the last 30, 40 years, and hold it in that same view, then what you would want me to believe is that the Bible is silent on the pastor's wife and how she should behave and what her qualifications are, but does see fit to mention what the wife of a deacon should be like. And that's not very logical. If the Bible's silent on one, uh, you would think uh, that it would be silent on the other. So even more so, do you start to see verse 11 uh, being rightly translated as likewise the women. Uh, the Greek in, in verse 12 and uh, verse 2, when it talks about the husband of one wife, we've held in the last 20, 30, 40 years for that to mean married, not divorced. And then things kind of loosened up a little, and I don't really hear anybody quoting these verses around too much anymore uh, because it's a hard thing to, to talk about and um, practice in that same fashion. If you look at the original Greek concerning that portion of Scripture, it really points to the deacon, to the pastor, in what we would call um, a one-woman man. So it's not too hung up on the idea of being married once or not divorced, because if we read that in a simple English, then I would have to resign, because I am not the husband of one wife. Right? I've never been married. I know some people in the room are praying that that happens soon. I wish you'd quit. <laughs> Very happy the way things are. So, as you and I come together next week, we'll discuss this, I assume, even more. I pray that you realize what the office of a deacon is. When you look into uh, the verses in Acts that we read, somehow we've got a, a lofty definition of the, the office of deacon. And it's not really that lofty. 
Uh, when you look into that first in Acts chapter 6, you see the deacons helping the ministers with whatever the ministry needs were. It's true they served the table, and that's what the Greek word means. But throughout history, uh, the deacons have been right there doing ministry. And what I want you to contemplate in our modern terms is the minister here, pastor here, has found, um, I don't want to say a great work, but a work that I enjoy into seeing that uh, people around us get some food from time to time. And I work pretty hard at that uh, just about every week. We take a couple weeks off, but it's one of my big things that I do every week, and it's rewarding. I, I think it is to me. Uh, I like the mystery behind it. How much meat do I need? Can we do this under budget? Uh, last night I was uh, made aware of some cups that were left over, in the fellowship hall, now I need to find the lids. I need to find out what we can put in them. I need to figure out how we can use them. And all that, to me, is fun. I enjoy thinking about that and finding that. Then comes the time for us to cook it. I enjoy that part as well. Can we do this successfully? Can we do it under budget? Can we do it on time? I find that very rewarding. But I don't do that work alone. There are some people in this room that are very, very, very supportive to that effort. And I could not do any of that without them. The deacons of the church have been walking amongst us for years. We've just not called them that. And I think it's high time that we do. Stand with me this morning. <clears throat> 